When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Mets fans, welcome back to Amazing Avenue Audio, the show. Happy opening day. We are here with another season of Mets baseball, and the team is already falling apart right on cue. Uh, I'm Brian. With me, as always, is Chris. Chris, the Mets have uh, an injured Jacob deGrom, who's not throwing for four weeks, and then will be reevaluated. They have a Max Scherzer, who is supposed to pitch on Friday, but we don't really know yet. We have Taiwan Walker, whose knee has been barking. Um... And we have uh, Brandon Nimmo, who had a cortisone shot in his neck because his neck is bothering him. How worried should we be about these injuries? Uh, I mean, I'm concerned. Obviously, DeGrom's is the primary reason for concern. Um, you know, I know Buckshaw Walters sort of played it off a little bit uh, and and has to, you know, in the sense of like, okay, yeah, he's, well, he's, he's just a pitcher who pitches every fifth day, but that is technically true of every uh, major league starting pitcher in a five man rotation. But <laughs> yes, uh, it's just, he's in his own tier. Um, you know, you look back at when he was healthy last year, uh, he was pitching as well as anybody ever had, not, not just as, you know, better than everybody else in 2021, but historically great uh, and you can apply that going back to the start of the 2018 19 20 season whatever you know however you want to look at it uh, in terms of recent performance he is like beyond the gold standard so 
I guess there's two sides of that injury for me. Um, one is, okay, uh, you know, he's great. I shouldn't doubt him. Uh, I don't doubt his ability to, to uh, perform at a high level. You know, when he did pitch briefly in spring training this year, he seemed just like his usual self. Yes. You know, hits high 90s with ease, um, pretty much overpowers, overwhelms, whatever word you want to use, uh, opposing hitters. When he's on the field, I expect that level, uh, and I, I don't doubt that. But there's also a realistic chance, even if it's just four weeks of not throwing, then you ramp him back up and you have to take that slowly. I mean, the goal here, especially with the lower bar in the playoffs is to get the playoffs, right? Exactly. With him. Um, So it's possible without being too much of a pessimist that we will go a full calendar year without Jacob DeGrom starting an actual Mets game. And that's enough of a length of time for me to just kind of be concerned. Um, you know, I hope he's back out on the mound on, on June 1st. I think I saw somebody tweet that that was what their, uh, you know, the team's best case scenario timeline would be. And that makes right, sense. Right. Yeah. You figure he'd, he'd rest for a month and then ramp up for a month. Right. Essentially. Right. Perhaps playing at a minor league affiliate near you. Near you? Or, <laughs> or me. Depending yeah. on, or, you know. Yeah, basically just don't send him to Florida, although that that's probably what he wants. Yes. The uh what the Cardinals affiliate. I'm, I'm forgetting the I forget if they could just call themselves like the Jupiter Cardinals or whatever. But whatever that team is that had Syndergaard and DeGrom on rehab assignments last yes, year and yes, yes. had a lot of fun on Twitter with it. Yeah. Anyway. If it if it goes twelve months and he's not been in a real Mets game. Uh, it doesn't mean it's over or anything, but it, you just have to, I don't know, acknowledge that that's concerning. <laughs> yes. Uh, so it's more that we've picked up right where we left off, right? He had a lot of time off um, with, you know, his season ending early after his final of, of several sort of vague, um, hard to diagnose injuries that were related to pitching. Uh, so you had that layoff from the all-star break through the winter. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I felt like everything was radio silence uh, in the baseball world. So, uh, you know, we didn't have an opportunity to uh, maybe get updates on what he was doing in the off season. So I don't know exactly when he started to throw again. Um, but even in spring training, that game speed is a different thing from, from the prep work. So it didn't take too long after he got back up to game scenarios to have the, the same cycle that we saw last year kick back in. So I hope this pessimistic side of it is uh, proven to be silly in the long term. I hope that uh, at least this time around, there's an actual thing that was diagnosed um, so I hope this is not just the cycle that DeGrom is now, uh, you know, but we'll, we'll see. Um, my initial reaction 
was like, well, the season's over, you know, and <laughs> right. I, that's probably too dramatic, but I do think he's extremely important to this team's chances. Yes. I, I think it's possible to say he's extremely important to this team's chances and not feel like if he doesn't pitch for half the year, the season's over. I, I understand why, like, your initial impulse was my initial impulse, right? Like, well, fuck this. <laughs> I, I guess I'm watching a lot more movies this uh, this spring. So, you know, whatever. But I feel like I, uh, when looking realistically at the NL East and specifically with the new playoff format, I feel like if DeGrom isn't back until the All-Star break and the Mets can remain competitive until then, and that's a huge if I recognize, then I'm not, so panicked about the second half of the year as long as this isn't just the latest in the DeGrom injury train now all of his injuries thus far like you said were kind of undiagnosed were stiffness were discomfort this is something where there's actually a diagnosis this is what happened and this is the treatment for it I don't know if you saw Brandon McCarthy had tweeted because he had suffered the same injury and he basically said, don't worry, he'll be fine. Now, I recognize that's easy for a retired player who is not a Mets fan to say. <laughs> um, but it did give me a little bit of optimism to hear him say that. Just because, you know, I feel like somebody who's been through that injury and somebody who knows DeGrom better than I do in terms of mechanics and just the things that I as a as a layman fan can't necessarily observe the way that a professional pitcher can, that makes me feel a little bit better, but still not, not considerably better because I am, I am obviously, I'm obviously concerned about this. This is, you know, DeGrom has not been, has not been able to fully be the full season dominant pitcher. We want him to be, since 2019 and that I know that's only two years ago but the 2020 season was weird and then last year was what it was so it just feels like DeGrom entered his peak DeGrom entered his peak earlier than other players in the sense that he was older when he came up right so we've been treated to great DeGrom almost the entire time we've seen DeGrom and I just hope that we're not already exiting that I'm I, I'm I'm confident that that he can still be dominant and excellent, but there is a part of me that says he's getting to the age where maybe it's not maybe it's not automatic to expect that he still has everything he had three years ago. Yeah, maybe. I mean, does that make me sound alarmist? Well, I think on the health side, no. On the you know on the performance side. I think he's still got it, but you know, we, uh, it's part of the reason he made his major league debut so late was early career entry. But, you know, since then he, he's not been a guy to have regular injuries, uh, right. until very recently. So, it, you know, in that sense, he's, he's 33, which, uh, again, is not actually old, but <laughs> right. Right. Um. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's, he's he's almost seven years younger than I am. So don't call him old, please. Right. Right. 
but uh, <laughs> he uh, he's insisted that he's going to opt out of his contract even after the injury diagnosis and all that. So he's certainly still feeling confident in uh, you know in his ability to uh, to get out there and show that he's worth more than anybody. Mm-hmm. But yeah. You know, we'll we'll see. I, I'm rooting for that. I'm rooting for the uh, early June return, the one point something ERA, <laughs> you know, all of that. And and by all means, if things go well, or even if they don't, go ahead and, and opt out and and try to get from the Mets what, uh, you know, what you're worth. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It was kind of interesting. Uh, um, thinking back to. Probably before he, I mean, he, he was, oh, he's never had a bad year. Like when your worst is, he had a 3.53 ERA in 2017. And that's, that's the worst he's done, which is insane. Um, but somewhere around, you know, his third or fourth year, I think the concept of extending him uh, started to get some traction. And, uh, and I remember at the time thinking, you know, maybe somewhat cynically, okay, uh, look at his age and, and, you know, how that might play out and all that. Um, not that I wasn't a fan of his yet, but it just hadn't quite clicked in the way that it was like, okay, yep, pay him whatever he's worth until when he ever, whenever he wants to stop playing, you know? Right, right. Like that, that definitely uh, was something that changed. In, in the 2018 season, um, you know, I think going into those seasons, I expected no Syndergaard to be the team's best pitcher a couple of times. And then finally was like, Nope, that, that's wrong. I need to stop making that prediction. Um, <laughs> you know, so again, not that there was like major doubt there, but any of those doubts seemed very foolish for the last four years. Um, and hopefully any of these doubts that we may be having right now, feel the same way uh in another four years right but but yeah it'll be interesting i we'll see and and again we support the player side of this but we'll see if he actually opts out if like he doesn't pitch this year right that would be a bold move um but obviously i would like jacob de grom to be in a mets uniform for however long he is capable of being uh, a useful major league player which with any luck, will be for a long time. Yes, absolutely. Uh, of the other injuries, do any of them particularly worry you? I mean, Scherzer should, because of the combination of age and and uh, you know he hasn't been wearing down too much by any means, and he's again he's expressed confidence that this is a minor thing, and he knows it happens to him sometimes, and he'll be fine. And we know pitchers don't have to run the bases anymore, which I mean, really you could be a pitcher and get away with not running uh, at all. You know, not that your hamstrings aren't involved in throwing a pitch, but you could, if you wanted to nurse the hamstring, just not run, you know, and maybe take some heat for not covering first base, but (laughs) it's, it's one position you could play without ever sprinting. Right. Right. Um, but, you know, that's – I don't want to be too dark about that one, uh, especially if there's still a chance and it seems like 
like you said a few minutes ago, the plan is that he will start on Friday night. And, you know, until that doesn't happen, I don't want to react too negatively. But Taiwan Walker has been somebody who gets hurt frequently. Yes. Um, and the fact that he got shelled, couldn't continue pitching, and it's a knee issue that was operated on in January, that's a combination that makes me think he might not be actually making his first start of the season. Yes, that is, that is an excellent way to phrase that. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I think that the biggest issue with the Taiwan Walker thing is how... Not the biggest issue. An issue with the Taiwan Walker thing is how cavalier he's being about it. He's like, I'll be fine. It's like, no, dude, you had surgery on that knee, and now you're pitching like shit, and that knee's hurting you. That's not fine. That's that's problematic. And again, if DeGrom was healthy, I would say, well, listen, Walker was our fourth or fifth starter. A couple of months of Tyler McGill or David Peterson is not going to make or break a couple months of those guys instead of Taiwan Walker is probably, uh, I mean, it's not ideal by any means, but the team can probably survive that. No problem. Adding that now we're going to be without DeGrom for a month or two. And if Walker's out for any substantial amount of time, well, now, now that's a very, very different situation. And I know the Mets had said publicly, they weren't looking for outside help for the rotation. And then almost instantly tried to trade for Chris Paddock from the uh, the Padres. So I'm sure that there is a sense of the Mets are still shopping for starting pitching someplace. And I, I actually would not be surprised if in classic podcast fashion, we get punked and they'd make a trade right after we're done with this. Because that's just that's what happens with us, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> we ended the lockout, remember? We did end the lockout, yes. The, you're <laughs> welcome, everybody. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you know, so... I will feel better if they go after another starting pitcher. I do think that they have, over the last couple of seasons, they've had better depth than they had the prior the couple of seasons before that. But when it comes to starting pitching, there's there's never enough depth, and this is exactly why you need more players than you think. Because even if you can survive one starting pitcher injury, there's a very there's a very good chance that the Mets are going to have to s- survive three starting pitcher injuries in the first week of the season. So yeah. you, you just need that depth there. And I wish the Mets had addressed that a little bit more this offseason. But, you know, I can't I can't get too worried about 
Walker or Scherzer just yet because at a certain point you have to take people at their word. And if they feel like they can make their starts, then who am I to say otherwise? Right. Uh, but if Walker goes an inning and a third in his first game and gets shelled, I will not be surprised at all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, and I think on the rotation side of things, it's at least understandable that they had, um, you know, five names that somebody who was a free agent might not want to come to the Mets because they didn't see that path to, uh, you know, making regular starts and all that. I, I can at least get that side of things. Yes. Um, but the bullpen could have been upgraded more. Uh, should which have would, been upgraded Which more. would take some pressure off the starters to have to go as far into the games. Right. So, yeah, so, yeah it, it, it'll be an interesting mix. Um, if we're looking at a rotation that has even just a couple turns through where you have, you know, McGill, Peterson, um, if Carlos Carrasco doesn't bounce back, uh, I don't know. This bullpen just isn't built to soak up that many innings and and do it in a competitive way. Um, you know, maybe Sean Reed Foley recaptures his early 2021 vibes, right? The uh, <laughs> I'm using a, a, an old Marcus Stroman term here. Yes. <laughs> um, Got to break that habit. But, you know, maybe he recaptures some of that and he's uh, an effective reliever. Maybe Trevor Williams, what he showed – in his brief time with the Mets late last year, maybe he can replicate that kind of performance. Maybe Trevor May has a more consistent season. Yeah. 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 I, I, I still, you know, we, with all these guys, Diaz and May are, are the two that I have the highest expectations for. And, you know, it sucks that when you're that good, um, you get put into bigger spots and people remember when you fail. Uh, right. Right. But, I do think that both of them are fully capable. I don't know that either one's going to be the best reliever in baseball this year or anything like that, but I think they'll be fine. It's just a whole lot of question marks after that. And just some, you know, relatively minor situations with starting pitching injuries. Nobody's uh, facing any season ending decisions yet or anything like that. And already it's, you know, a little concerning on the bullpen side. Yes. Speaking of uh, that, do, do we have any strong feelings about the trade to the Mets and the bullpen? Um, I mean, I like Miguel Castro. I know that Castro was uh, a sometimes frustrating player to watch because of his inconsistency. But I think in terms of stuff, he was one of the more interesting arms the Mets have in their bullpen. And I enjoyed watching him when his stuff was on. You know, it, it was pretty electric. I know very little about the gentleman they received from the Yankees. So I do not have any hot takes on this. What about you, Chris? Um, yeah, just about the same. I certainly don't recall watching uh, Joely Rodriguez pitch. So in that sense, I can't say I have anything to, uh, you know, to definitive <laughs> i can't really <laughs> say anything about what he looks like as a pitcher but um just looking at what he's done in his career um 
I don't know. It's it's a little concerning. There, there's a school of thought that he's just as good as Castro and happens to be left-handed. Um, you know, with Castro walks certainly uh, are an issue. Um, but yeah, I'm just pulling up his stats again just to see. So, you know, the overall walk rate is definitely better with Rodriguez. Um, the, you know, being left-handed is is potentially useful, um, although maybe a little less so with the still stupid three-batter rule, in my opinion. Yes. Um, free runner on second and three-batter rule are two things that I would eliminate instantly if I could be in charge of rule changes for MLB. Um, they would never hire you, though, because you like baseball. Yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I, I, the dude was good after the Yankees got him last year. Um, but he just hasn't had a ton of meaningful major league playing time. Yeah, I mean, his total of 95 and two-thirds innings. Um, a chunk of that. Just about a third of it was uh, in 2016 and 17 with the Phillies, and I, I don't remember him. From, no, from that. Um, and, and it, he may and, not and, even and, pitch against the Mets. So he didn't pitch that much. And in reliever years, 2016 and 17 is a thousand years ago. Yeah, yeah. So he had a nice 2020 season, but you know, it's it was 12 innings. Um, all of which is to say. Whatever. The trade might be fine. Uh, what do you think of the trade that almost was with San Diego? So, I think along with like a lot of Mason Avenue Slack, Mets Twitter, there was uh, somewhat of an evolution of thought on, the, <laughs> on <it. laughs> the gut reaction was, oh, this is terrible. And not even because I didn't think they should trade Dom Smith, but uh, like many Mets fans, not a fan of Chris Paddock, not really a fan of Eric Hosmer. Um, both of those two have been not great in recent years. Hosmer, over the last four years, has been a league average hitter, slightly less by WRC+. Yeah. Plus. Um, you know, Paddock had a good rookie season in 2019, despite trying to start stuff with Pete Alonso over a relatively meaningless rookie of the month title. I forgot uh, about that. Oh yeah. Early in the year. And it was just, I don't know. I, I I'm not a pro wrestling guy. So I think it works to say that I'm uh, not a fan of manufactured conflict. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, when something, you know, when Chase Utley breaks Ruben to leg, that is, that is real. Uh, I'm not saying, players should do that if they want to start something. But but when a thing like that happens, there is a legitimate reason that the other crowd's going to boo you, you know, just right. trying to make a spectacle out of something routine. Eh, not a fan. So, uh, you know, it was those two. Um, I think it was Emilio Pagan was the reliever who was being mentioned in, in the group. And then a little bit later in the day when, uh, you know, when, when it was reported that Hosmer was somebody who they would look to flip, that started to make more sense where, okay, whatever, you, you're getting a couple of arms for Dom Smith. Um, you can 
ideally unload Hosmer because he's redundant, even with Smith gone. Uh, right. So I would have been okay with it if it all played out that way, but then in the end, it didn't. So not losing any sleep over that either. Um, Dom certainly was very professional, and I would not expect anything different uh, in, in talking about almost being traded and still being with the Mets. And, you know, despite whatever was tweeted from uh, Andy Martino about Dom's feelings, he he handled it very well. He's handled much tougher topics very well. So Yes, he has. That is not surprising. Um, no. Dom seems like a consummate professional. Yeah. So... In the short term, happy that he's still on the roster. Um, I do think at some point the Mets probably should trade either him or J.D. Davis just to, you know, yeah, uh, to not have so much redundancy on the roster. Um, I mean, unless Cano looks like he's toast and then well, gets I was actually, I, That's where I was actually going to transition the conversation. So I just wrote up today the season preview of, of Robinson Cano and – if Cano is toast, I think Dom Smith becomes a very important part of this team. If he's not toast, I think you have to trade one or both of those guys. Um, I would say probably one, just because Cano is is thirty nine years old, and uh, you know, again, in baseball years, that's old, and you have to be prepared for injury. Or, you know, I, I hate to say it because I, I don't want to necessarily cast the guy in a light because of only one thing he's done. But when you've been popped twice for PEDs, I feel like there's there's a chance that that's just going to happen again. And so you don't want to eliminate all of your DH options if if Cano suddenly starts looking good. But I think if Cano is toast, you you pretty much have to move one of those guys. And the way that baseball works, the first couple weeks of the season, there's always injuries that pop up. I think I think you may be able to get a decent return for Smith or Davis if they have a strong start and another team has a sudden need. Uh, so we'll see. You know, part of me feels like the Mets were planning on moving Eric Hosmer. Well, I like how they were planning on moving a guy they don't have, but they haven't moved any of the guys they do have and, and should probably get rid of also. So, you know, I would like to see the Mets be a little bit more aggressive with with trading one of those guys as long as Cano doesn't look you know, totally destroyed at the plate. Yeah. Uh, do you have any hopes for Cano this year? What are your What are your Cano thoughts? Yeah, I mean, uh, I do not think his success is solely uh, attributable to his choice of substances. So, like, the dude can hit. Uh, I don't know how much power is still going to be there, missing a full year uh, because of his suspension. Um, but the dude can hit. So... I won't be shocked if he puts up something like a, you know, like 280, 340, 470 line or something like that. And, um, you know, that that's that's still useful. Uh, do I think people are going to love him? Probably not. But <laughs> I don't know. He's one of those guys that um, the suspensions, I think, have eliminated – Hall of Fame consideration, most likely. Yes. But I don't know. I, you just can't steroid your way to being a 
lifelong, very, very good hitter. Um, right. And his only, aside from, he had that weird down year relatively early in his career. Yes. Um, you know, that happens. But even then, and I'm not like Mr. Batting Average either here, but he hit 271 that year. Uh, aside from that, 2019, uh, you know, in his limited time with the Mets, uh, or his limited active time, I should say, that was the, you know, 256, 307, 428. Um, that was his worst performance in a very long time. So it's possible that age, you know, will have caught up with him and he'll kind of replicate that performance. But mm -hmm. um, I don't think the fact that he hit 316 in 2020, albeit in a short season, um, Again, I just don't think that that's only because of the, you know, substances that got him suspended. So, right. Um, curious to see how the lineup shakes out. Yeah, I, I, you know, roster resource has him listed, you know, projected as the, the fifth hitter in the lineup. Um, I think in an ideal world, the Mets have five or six hitters who are better than him. Yes. Uh, and he's not right in sort of the the middle of the order like that. But, yeah. Um, so I, I acknowledge he could be toast. But I would expect that he'll still be a pretty good hitter and uh, primarily spending his time as a DH. Yeah. You are the uh, the the predominant voice in age doesn't automatically make players bad and you 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 have been banging that drum for a couple of years now and i always appreciate that because i think people just once they see a three in the front of your age they, they start talking about how you're washed right right um, and so i always appreciate that perspective mike uh not to contradict what i just said about you but i feel like <laughs> in this situation there's a couple of factors just the fact that he hasn't played regularly in a year and a half the fact that he hasn't started more than 107 games since 2016, uh, it just seems to me like he is possibly nearing the end of his, his his productive period just based on health. And if he's not healthy, he can't play. Just that simple. So I don't know. I'm uh, I'm cautiously optimistic because I do think that of all of his tools, the hit tool is the one the Mets need the most, and hopefully the hit tool is the one that is the least affected by PEDs. Like you said, you can't just PEDs don't don't give you an eye at the plate, right? Um, so hopefully he can still put the ball in play with some sort of power, and if he can do that consistently, that's a fine DH to have on the team, and I I would be okay with that guy as the DH for the rest of the season. I do hope that the, that Steve Cohen can um, can see to releasing him, though, if he is toast. because Or I guess they, they could always just, like, phantom DL him for the rest of the season. But, you know, I don't want him wasting at-bats if, if it's clear early on that he's toast. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, and I think... That's more than fair. Uh, 
without getting too sanctimonious about the suspension, he got himself suspended. Right. Twice. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that happened. He, he paid the price. He missed the time. He has the uncertainty hovering because of that. That's all on him. Um, if he's successful this year, I'm not going to act like it tarnishes the Mets success as a team. I'm not going to be, you know, acting like we're all morally superior to him or anything. You know, there's a line there, but he messed up. He, you know, he, he suffered consequences as a result. And I do think it's totally fair to say, Hey, there's a shorter leash on, you know, you looking like you are washed than there would be uh, if you had played a full season last year and we had a little more information to work with. So I, I, yeah, I'll probably be among his last defenders uh, in terms of any hope of him turning it around, (laughs) you know, and then like you, you mentioned, uh, I think some of that stuff is justified. People acted like Curtis Granderson was never going to play, you know, it was just totally useless. Uh, and he got off to a very bad start in, was it 17? I feel like it was the wild card year. That would be 16 then. What? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> wasn't he in the World Series team in 15? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I, he didn't start. Hold on. Now now I have to look this up. But he, um, you know, he started one season. Maybe it wasn't a playoff season. I don't, I'm going to find out here in a second. But. He started off really, really poorly. And uh, everybody, even like rational Mets fan friends, were just <laughs> bemoaning every appearance and hating on him and all that. And, and you know, I was secretly judging everybody at the time for, for thinking that way. <laughs> <laughs> but um, whatever the case, he rebounded very nicely. And, uh, you know, and prove them wrong. So, so much so that when I look at his year by year stat lines, I can't obviously pick it out without actually going into, uh, game logs, which is yeah. kind of the point, you know, he, he, exactly. Yes. He settled at what Curtis and Granderson was, um, and maybe it was one of those playoff years, but he didn't, he didn't really become toast until he was 38. Right, and Cano's thirty nine. Yeah, that's that's that is that is my only real uh, fear here is just that there are very few players who could not play for a year and a half and then come back and not be toast at thirty nine. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I I get that. He's always been a better hitter than Granderson ever was. Just you know. Yes. So then I think it it comes down into like sort of roster uh, flexibility and all that. Uh, if, if Robbie Cano is like a 105 WRC, OPS plus, whichever you prefer, that where it's like, okay, yeah, he's he, he's better than the average guy in the league, but is that good enough to, uh, to justify how the Mets are using players? So, right. Yeah. Look at that. We didn't know we'd be talking about Cano for so long tonight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any other pre-opening day thoughts you want to share before we uh, get into our music picks? 
Um, no, no, it's, uh, I think the combination of no DeGrom, maybe Scherzer, maybe Rain. Uh, I'm not quite on the outrage level about game two of the season, which might be game one being on Apple TV plus. I mean, <laughs> any game without Gary, Keith and Ron is a loss from a yes. Mets broadcast uh, perspective. And I do wish that trying to, you know, play the content game and put baseball games in these other places and ultimately make money off of it. I do wish that that would incorporate the team's identity. Yes. Right. So like, okay, Apple TV plus has Friday night's game, but why does there have to be some MLB production on that, that everybody agrees is worse. Right. Um, and you know, uh, maybe there's something on the legal side and with the rights and everything, but, I also but, feel like there has to be a way to make it happen that if you're trying to showcase the sport by tapping it to people who use a streaming service, why are you not showcasing the best part of the Mets broadcast? I mean, to be fair, like when MLB Network shows a game on the re not their game of the week, but they, they have they show games, you know, many nights of the week that are just the local team broadcast. Yeah. So why can't they do that on the uh on Apple TV Plus, yeah, yeah, you know that that's true. So, um, I, I do think, I think, yeah, we could do a whole podcast on the topic of that broadcast. <laughs> but it just—it's a very weird start to the year, right? It, yes, especially if it's Scherzer's first start, right? Or we don't get to hear Gary Keith and Ron talk about the Mets' newest acquisition. Like that's crazy, right? Yeah, that. uh I mean, they, SNY should have a podcast of them talking about it just so selfishly, just so we can hear some of it. You know? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, not technically a broadcast of the game, but just something. Um, yeah. Or give them an extra, I don't know, half hour to just talk before before whatever game they get to call first. So, right. yeah, all that. It just feels weird. The, the lockout, the shortened spring training, uh, the nature of shortened spring training, meaning that you and I didn't even consider getting down uh, and checking it out um, for even a couple of days. There, there's just, there's a lot of stuff to the rhythm of the start of a season that hasn't been here. Yep. Um, but whenever we hear Gary, you know, open up the broadcast of, of a Mets game, I think it'll uh, kick in a little bit more and, and feel a little more real and, and potentially exciting. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. The one the one note that I, I did want to say, something I've been thinking about a lot about this season, which is that I think we were all hoping that this would be the first, quote, normal season back after two very unusual seasons uh, because of COVID and because of just, you know, just the world that we live in because of COVID. But the the shortened spring training, the lockout, all of that means this is another weird season. And I think it's going to take a month or so for baseball to feel normal and routine again. And that's going to be hard for me because I'm somebody who, I mean, I think about baseball during the offseason, obviously. I, you know, given my amazing avenue role, I'd have to. But really, I once the season starts, that's when I sort of kick into gear thinking about baseball all the time. 
And it's going to be very weird for it to feel like not the smooth start that every season feels like, but the sort of stutter start that's been happening. And so I am just giving myself the permission to like not be as uh, as enthusiastic as you said, you know, about this season because of the injuries and, the, and everything else until a few weeks in. And let's hope that by the time we are talking next week, things seem a little bit less bleak on the injury front because, man... If it's more bleak next week, I'm I don't know what to say. So, I guess we'll go from there. But Chris, it is that time of the week. What is your music pick for this inaugural opening day? It's not it's not the first opening day for this opening <laughs> day episode of the podcast. <laughs> so, uh, this artist had another record that actually came out shortly after I first heard his music. Uh, from his first record and I'm recommending the first record just because I do still like it a little bit more. Um, Atron de la air. Uh, he's, I may be butchering the pronunciation on the last name. And if so, I'm sorry. Uh, but similar style to MD Mokhtar, um, same record label. And for whatever reason in making the switch, we'll see if it's temporary or permanent from Spotify to Apple music. Apple's algorithm served up his music in its similar, uh, you know, stuff for me. And it clicked right away. It, it's got a, there's enough similarity that you can go, okay, yeah, this is the same genre as M.D. Mokhtar, but uh, definitely just a different sound uh, to, you know, the band, the, the sound of the guitar. Um, at times it feels a little surfier, you know, I mean, even the, the, actual album cover of the record, which is just called number one. Um, I think sort of alludes to that, uh, at least in you know my perception of it. So it's a, it's a damn good record. I'm glad that uh, changing things up on the digital side resulted in me uh, hearing something that somehow Spotify hadn't served up yet. And <laughs> You know, Spotify is bad at some things and good at others. Um, and typically, introducing you to new music is is one of the best things about using it as a listener. So, um, so yeah. Thanks, yeah. algorithm. Uh, <laughs> other you're algorithm. <laughs> that, that was the Apple algorithm saying you're welcome. Nice. Um, Didn't quite yeah. sound like Siri, but that's okay. Well, they, they, copyright <laughs> reasons. We can't. We can't play Siri. For yeah, fear no. of getting uh, sued. So uh, if, there's an idea. We should have Siri. We should just like dictate a whole podcast and have Siri say it instead of us. <laughs> that 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 would eliminate us from any uh, any bad takes. We say, oh, it wasn't us. It was Siri. They got that that part got wrong. <laughs> Siri got the part wrong. It wasn't us. Um, so uh, my pick is a sentimental one. Um, there's a band that I was very very much a, a huge like an obsessive fan of in high school and early college who then I, I fell off of just because I think my taste got a little bit maybe left of center and they kind of went more towards the center. But uh, a tragedy has brought me back to them, and that band is the Foo Fighters. Uh, the first three Foo Fighters albums are very important to me personally, just from my experience as a young, you know, high school, middle school, high school student, just like figuring out the kind of rock music I like. Those first three albums are incredibly important. And uh, as I'm sure all of you know, Foo Fighters drummer Taylor Hawkins passed away uh, at the end of March. Uh, still not an official cause of death, but he had both a very enlarged heart and also a lot of substances 
in his system. So regardless of, of how he died, he was only 50. Even if you're not a Foo Fighters fan, I think you have to admit what a great drummer he was. Um, and so this week I spent a lot of time. I actually went back and I listened to most of the Foo Fighters catalog. And uh, the record I'm going to recommend, Hawkins only plays on half of it, unfortunately. But it is the aforementioned third Foo Fighters record, There Is Nothing Left to Lose. Uh, he and Grohl split the drum tracks on this. I When I had first heard that, I had thought that was Grohl maybe being unable to give up the sort of drum stool after um you know a- a- after doing the first two records drumming and but it turns out no Hawkins had like a terrible essentially like almost stage fright of recording he called it red light fright and uh he said to Grohl like you just do the drums I can't do this and Grohl said no we'll share them and so I, I really appreciate that like perspective of the story and that makes it feel very different than if you think Grohl just wanted the sort of spotlight of doing you know the entire drum part himself but um the record has has a generally mellower tone than any other Foo Fighters record aside from the one they did that has like a half acoustic or something like that but um it was recorded in Dave Grohl's basement in Virginia and it very much sounds like a band relax it was the only record they made as a three-piece um just Nate Mendel on bass and Dave Grohl and Taylor Hawkins and it has some of my favorite Foo Fighters songs on it it's song called Headwires. That's an incredibly underrated Foo Fighters song. I never, hear, I never hear anyone talk about that song, and it's a really cool, very interesting song. The song Aurora is really beautiful and pretty. Um, Live in Skin. There, there, there's a lot of really great tracks. I, I think if I never had to hear Learn to Fly Again, I'd be fine. But that is unfortunate on this record, but that's just a very, very overplayed song. But that doesn't make it a bad song. Uh, same with Breakout, which is also a single from this record. But the, the album tracks on this are really amazing and i think you hear a band sort of figuring out who they are but unfortunately they almost instantly abandoned that for uh for a more like mainstream arena rock type sound um there is one other very good foo, foo, blah, foo fighters record after this one and that is um wasting light from i believe 2011 uh it that feels very much like a return to form for them but I still prefer those first three. Those are my favorite uh, Foo Fighters records. And so rest in peace, Taylor Hawkins, and uh, check out There Is Nothing Left to Lose by the Foo Fighters. And that does it for this opening day edition. We hope that you are enjoying baseball today, that rain has not washed the game away, but maybe it will. Who knows? Uh, Regardless, you can go to AmazingAvenue.com for all the latest news on the Mets, whether they're playing today or not, as well as injury news and other uh miscellaneous bits of opening day content uh please follow us on facebook twitter and instagram at amazing avenue please rate review and subscribe to the show on your podcatcher of choice chris is on twitter at chris mcshane i am on twitter at brian and until next time let's go Mets.